everyone. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is the 134th episode of the podcast that takes you through all of the Marvel superhero universe adventures from the beginning. We started in the early days of 1961 with the Fantastic Four number one, and we have made it through five years of Marvel superhero goodness to reach September of 1966 with um, four comics, or bringing your way. Uh, Tales to Astonish 86, Thor 134, The X-Men 26, and Daredevil 22. Mm-hmm. And I think I've said that number 134 twice now, because we have a weird little coincidence today. What's that? Our episode number and our Thor number are the same. What? What? And that's also the best issue we're going to talk about tonight. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. 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 Not to spoil anything, but... I liked Daredevil, but we'll okay. uh, we'll see we'll how see. it goes. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so, um, Tales to Astonish '86 it has a cover with uh, Warlord Krang dressed up as Jor El from <laughs> Silver wow. Age Krypton. Yes, or Ming. Yeah, that he, he's he's Ming cosplaying as Jor El. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he and Dorma are hanging out, uh, watching New York get flooded, and Namor is going after the water and getting shot at by people in windows. It's a crazy cover. Um, it is. The story is entitled The Wrath of Warlord Krang, which reminds me of that one episode of Ninja Turtles cartoon where Krang... He's inside his robot body. He grows, says, you'll suffer the wrath of Krang. And oh. Michelangelo says, wasn't that the name of a movie? <laughs> it With, was. It was. With the death of number one, the masked head of the Sinister Secret Empire, Prince Namor is free once more. Free to resume his quest for vengeance. Little dreaming that Krang had tricked Dorma into fleeing with him, convincing her that it was the only way to save the life of her beloved Submariner. Imperious Rex, story by Smile and Stan Lee, penciling by Mary Jerry Grandinetti, inking by Wild Bill Everett, and lettering by Adorable Artie Simic. Um, I looked up Jerry Grandinetti, never, mm-hmm. never heard of him before. Mm-hmm. He had been in comics for 15 years at this point. And his comics career lasts for over three decades. Wow. And in all of that time, he has exactly two Marvel credits. <laughs> well, we know one. This is the first. Um, before this, he has done a lot of DC War comics, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, his one other Marvel work we will not be covering. It's for a series that I'd actually never heard of until I saw this. It was called Arg. It appears oh. to have been a short-lived horror parody comic in the 70s. Oh, boy. He did one story for that. We may not cover that at all, yeah. No, no, no desire to do the parody issues. I mean, Brandak is, is fine sometimes, but I don't really want to cover it for the show. It's not narrative. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Krang and Dorma are hanging out in Krang's ship in the uh, Bay of New York City, and um, they decided that their amphibian ship, they're going to leave it here, They've anchored it. It has little claws like grab the rocks. They're going to go traipsing through New York City, try to cause some problems. They're going to start some some giant waves and show the humans how futile it is to stand up against Warlord Krang. 
So very much like other times that Atlantis has has invaded New York City, there are these giant waves overtowering the buildings. And Namor's like, hey, I'm on a building. There's water everywhere. Has that evil warlord struck so soon? People are dying in the water and Krang is ruminating over, I'm sorry, Namor is ruminating over his Krangness. Um, so he decides to go help out, but they're like, hey, Namor must be causing all this. They start shooting at him. Krang is like, mwahaha. Dorma's like, no, you said you would leave Namor alive. Um, so Namor uh, finds a place with uh, a radio and mm-hmm. he goes in and scares off all the people so he can transmit commands over the radio. He starts sending commands to um, like the military and such. So in the town, Krang and Dorma are walking through the wreckage. Firemen are putting out fires and buildings. Um, there's a submarine that sees Crane's ship and blows it up real good. Um, back at the broadcasting place, they're trying to cut Namor off by pulling wires and such. And they do manage to short the electric current, which like uh, sends a zap through the stuff. It stuns Namor long enough for the uh, military to come in and get him by surprise. Meanwhile, an army helicopter drops a net over Dorma and Krang and pulls them into the air and flies off. It's got them hanging there. Uh, Namor is fighting off army dudes when he hears a bus drive by with a news loudspeaker. Two of the Submariner's accomplices have been captured and are in custody. They call themselves Warlord Krang and the Lady Dorma. And boy, kids, can they really dance. Um, maybe not that last part. <laughs> um so Namor's like, oh my gosh, it's Warlord Krang and Lady Dorma. I've got to go get them. So he jumps out the window. Meanwhile, and I want to say this next part carefully, Krang and Dorma have been in the net. No one has talked to them and no one knows who they are. The people in the helicopter are like, huh, I wonder who they are. So, um, you know, that happens with having already announced their names to the news. <laughs> um, Namor... What's he doing? He's heading for the helicopter, but the armies are there. They're watching for him. And Namor's, you know, basically going into a military high artillery ambush to save Krang and Dorma. And next issue, the moment of truth. Yeah. And they're also suffocating to death. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because their, um, their die, their oxygen die is finally mm. fading. Mm. And they are literally turning blue from lack of oxygen. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like someone somewhere out there in listener land really needs me to point out that this whole thing about Dorma betraying Namor mm-hmm. and going mm-hmm. to Krang and Namor going off in a huff, that was issue 80. Uh, that was six months ago Craig was controlling the behemoth remember he he was controlling Mm -hmm. the behemoth like with a puppet master help yeah and he promised not to kill namor with the behemoth so long as dorma would marry him yep yeah and then and then she thought he went and tried to kill him anyway and she went off with him and nobody explained to namor why so he thinks that she just betrayed his heart so that he's been really grumpy trying to kill them both and now i think he thinks she's dead and she thinks he's dead or at but least she literally it's just been shenanigans ever since mm-hmm. then. Totally. The Iron story, Man. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, what do we what do we just have? We had the Hulk and Secret Empire and uh, number losing one. His memory. So yeah. that storyline has literally not advanced. Right. 
I feel like these titles with the two stories are the most meandering of our mm-hmm. things. But especially Namor right now, and even Iron Man we were complaining about the other day, like between Titanium Man and Titanium Man, nothing happened. Right. That matters. So, And yet that one is a bit more of an enjoyable read for whatever reason. Uh-huh. And then also Hulk until recently has been a lot of meandering. Like he went, he traveled in time for no reason, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and to be fair, we're still at an age, I think, where Marvel is not allowed to create more titles. So this is the breathing room they have. If they want to have lots of characters and books, they have to split them up. And I was a little bit surprised to see how close we are to that changing. Um, Cause the beginning of new stuff at Marvel is almost exactly a year away calendar wise in comics world. So we're getting yeah. close to that changing. We're just going to have to keep on. I mean, this is Astonish 86 and Hulk 102, right? So we've got to get through to 100. What was that? 25 more issues. Do you think it would have been better if they had just said, okay, tales to astonish is now called Submariner or called Hulk and just not featured the other character? Or do you think it's better to cram mm. cram two characters into as many books as possible? That's a good question. I do want to correct myself. 15 issues, not 25. But to, to, um, I don't know because these all started out as anthology stories. They were yeah, all they anthology did. stories. They so did. You have, don't, go ahead. I was going to say you had the 12-page lead strip that had like nonsense backups. Mm-hmm. And eventually the nonsense backups became 10-page backups featuring another character. Um and that's just what they've been doing. But you think mm-hmm. nix the other character and let one person take over the book? Well, I mean, don't you feel like – and I'm not saying the, the the books that have only one character are shining all the time either. But like X-Men, for instance, is mm-hmm. not sharing a book with anybody. And I still don't want to read it. But, uh, you know, like Daredevil and the Avengers and Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, they kind of have room to have supporting casts and weird side you know, B plots and things like that. And these are just like, and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens and we never stop. Cause it feels like you've got to do something in your 12 pages. That's right. Whereas and it's had, kind of exhausting. If you had, I was actually reading a similar conversation with the uh, transformers. Cause like the transformers UK comic, they'll take a 22 page us story and mm-hmm. split it over two issues and do 11 pages and 11 pages. But then when they're telling their own stories, they'll work them as 11-page chapters for the same format. Mm-hmm. And the writers have said two 11-page chapters versus a single 22-page story is a very different way of telling stories. Yeah. Submariner has zero pages in which to re- you know sleep in on a Sunday like Peter can. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's just no down. If you if we read all these in a row, which we're not doing, it, this is just like one day for him. It seems like <laughs> it often feels that way, right? Right. Has we're crazy. he stopped? Has he stopped? He's had no downtime in between his defeat of Krang when they all celebrated and Krang coming back. Now let's be real, Mike. Has he had any time since he set out on his quest? Not really. I mean, other than the. Yay, your king again moment, which I don't know. Is that a celebration of a week, a day, an hour? I don't know. But right. I mean, that was like the last time he just stood around doing nothing, kind of. There's got to be some time gaps in between scenes. I mean, between last issue and this issue, nothing says there couldn't be like, you know, go to sleep for a day. But at the same time, 
you have to ask, okay, well, then where would Namor sleep? Is he just shagging on a roof somewhere? Is Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It never seems like he's stopping. It never seems like the plot stops. But It's a weird and thing about serial storytelling is the series, the series must go on. Yeah, but usually serials are at least only like 12 chapters mm-hmm, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. And these, like Doctor Strange, for instance, <laughs> just goes on forever. But And like, like a, a, an old movie serial, during the chapter, you'd have, you know, wrap up the day and start a new day yeah. in order to build to the next thing. This is just like, got to keep that action going. Well, look at that breath of fun we had with Strange where like he's paused to go shopping. Like that was like, <laughs> like after 30 stories of never ending nonstopness, it's like, wow, finally he stops to go shopping and he's having money problems. Woohoo. But now we're back to this defeat one right into another thing. Kalu becomes Zumar. Yep. Yep. On the cover. Anyway, you know, about this story. Going back to Dorma and Krang briefly before we go on to the next story, I have this vague memory, and maybe you can correct me, in the Fantastic Four annual where we first met them. Mm-hmm. Before Namor came back, mm-hmm. were Dorma and Krang romantic? I'm, I don't remember that. I remember her being kind of evil and jealous about Invisible Woman, but girl, but... Uh... I don't know if they were an item or not. I can't I f- remember. I feel like there was sort of like, now that Namor's back, we can no longer continue kind of conversation. But maybe she not. She wasn't as wholesome and nice as she is in these as a victim. Yeah, she is damseled out and her character has gone flat. I find it interesting. Like, I mean, we haven't even talked about this story yet, really. But uh, <laughs> um, like, she knows that Namor's dead, or she thinks he's dead, yet still hangs. But it's also like her thought bubble is, I don't really know how to get out of this. It's like, he doesn't seem that formidable. Why don't you just knee him in the nuts and run away? I don't know. Yeah. What is she really... I mean, so she, maybe she's scared that Krang will do something, but she can overpower him. She yeah. is a fighter. She did go on lots of adventures with her cousin back in the gold. So speaking of Krang, he seems like the worst would-be conqueror of the world. Because he tries to conquer Atlantis only to easily be dethroned by them. Like, not even Namor had to show up for that, really. Yes, they already they dethroned him before Namor showed up. But And now he's right here going, I'm going, now that Namor's dead, I'm going to take over the surface world with my one ship. And now, granted, that one click does do some pretty awesome damage with the tidal wave, and New York has never looked worse. Um, but then, like, a submarine kills the ship. So how far was he going to go? He didn't have any shields yeah. installed. He wasn't even in the ship, so it's like that's true. One um, one human submarine can take out this Atlantean ship. So was he really going to take over the surface world with this with this strategy? I don't know, Krang. You need to really uh, think this over a little longer. One thing I liked was that the helicopter pilots were actually appreciating Namor's messages and his orders uh-huh. to help find um, uh, was to help find Krang versus mm-hmm. the radio people who resented him being there. Mm-hmm. Well, probably because they didn't know it was Submariner. Or yeah, did they? Yeah, on no, the no, radio. They, they, they just knew it was, yeah. it was somebody. Yeah, but he was helpful. So, he knew yeah. what he about. That's that's just uh, you know that's well, the issue. For what it's worth, I do feel like we picked up the main plot of the book again. Where mm-hmm. it goes, how 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 well it lasts, I don't know. But I feel like after you know yeah. six months, we're like, oh, okay, this is what this book is doing. Mm-hmm. We'll see. He called the humans witless. I feel like we got past that, but maybe he's back to being Grumpy Pants Namer again. I guess yeah. he has been. He has been. Okay. Anyway, on to the Hulky Hulk Hulk. Hulkity Hulk 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 Hulk, the birth of Hulkilla. Oh no. What? Oh no. Oh no. 
Okay. Um, superlative. Okay. Let's, let's, let's not do crazy Stan. Superlative script by Stanley. Ameliorative art. Jovial John Buscema. Imaginative inks. Mirthful Mick DeMeo. Lucrative lettering. Adorable Artie Simic. Is Artie making money off of these letters? I'm sure he's making some money, but is it really <laughs> lucrative? Is that really? I don't know if it's per letter, but it sort of acts like it. At this moment, all you need know is that a deadly Orion missile, sabotaged by an enemy spy, is headed for the heart of New York. And um, who's on the missile? Why, it's Bruce Banner, kids. He's hanging there with no shirt on. But he opens up a panel and realizes that, hey, I helped design this Orion missile. I know how to control it. I can't stop it, but I can change its course and tell it to go crash in the ocean. Okay, I'm going to write it now. Oh, well, I guess I've lived as the Hulk. I'll die as Bruce Banner. I'll die as a man. But even as the Hurtling missile plunges to a watery grave... He changes, not wanting to die. He changes to the Hulk because nothing can kill the Hulk. And he jumps off the missile as it explodes in the water. Meanwhile, our scene changes to the interior of a strange lab, just discovered by a crack team of searching police officers. Okay, now, hold on a second. We have been in Florida, and we have been in New York City. Mm -hmm. Now, Ross is here. So this must still be – oh, no, it says a special plane brings Ross and his daughter to the scene. Okay, so they change locales. I was going to say suddenly this lab, which must over be, be over in the southwest, is suddenly in Florida with everybody else, but no. So they have found the leader's lab, and they have found a tube with a big pink humanoid left inside. And a diary, because the leader kept very meticulous diaries and journals – um, talking about how this particular humanoid was specially designed to defeat the Hulk. And Thunderbolt Ross is like, yes, let's open it. So they turn on the switch. It's alive. And he, uh, he, they open up the um, humanoid. He smashes out of his bell jar, smashes through the wall. And Ross is like, well, crap, we've released another monster. Get some <laughs> reinforcements. We can't lose him. Hulk climbs out of the water. What's up, Rick? Hey, Hulk. Uh, everyone thinks that you're responsible for that Orion missile, so um, we got to get out of the city and go hide somewhere. And Hulk's like, okay, um, I want to go hide in this iron factory. Hulk can get it anywhere. And Eric's like, okay, iron factory sounds good. Let's go hide there. Um, meanwhile, Boomerang is still playing with his not boomerangs. He's got these <laughs> little discs. Uh, and they're razor sharp. He throws one at a gun and it slices right through the metal. Because comics, kids. Um, then the, uh, the giant humanoid, the army is trying to stop him. They've got fire. They've got artillery. They've got bigger, big cannons. Um, they've got a sound cannon, atomic powered. Um, they blast the humanoid, but nothing seems to stop him. And just looking at the arc, it sounds like they just got close to the iron foundry where Hulk was hanging out. He's like, oh, people are making noises out there. What's going on? He smashes out. But what it says is... We've got to go find the Hulk. We gotta sick him on this pink humanoid. Let's um let's corral the humanoid toward the Hulk if we can just find the Hulk. Oh look, the Hulk is in this building. Let's get the humanoid. Okay, Hulk smashed out of the building. He fights the humanoid. But really all of that explanation is not necessary because they just got <laughs> close to where the Hulk was hiding, and now he's out, and he gives the humanoid his biggest Hulk Day punch. 
in the face. And Humanoid says, well, Humanoid doesn't talk. So he talks Hulk in the face, kicks him hard. Hulk is like, Hulk, sleepy, and falls over and dies. Hulk and Yude, next-ish. So he really was a Hulk killer. Yeah. So, okay. Um, weird corner story time with John. As an example of the weird places my brain goes. All right. So there is this... Um, there's this anime series uh, manga mm-hmm. called Death Note, and it has a main character named Kira, which mm-hmm. is just saying the word killer Japanese-ishly. So my brain saw this title and thought, Hulk Kira. Ah. But then there's also the Super Sentai series of Japanese superheroes. I've been watching this one, and um, usually the bad guys for each season have like a naming convention. Like if the witch band Dora makes them, they're like, the d- names of the monsters are Dora this and Dora that. Um, and in mm-hmm. the series I'm currently watching, they're all named after something common with Lar on the end. So if you're a baseball monster, you're Baseballar. Or if you're oh. a monster named after Aladdin's lamp, you're Lamparar. And I realized if there was a Hulk monster, it'd probably Hulkidar, which is mm-hmm. exactly what Hulk killer sounds like. So Hulkidar mm-hmm. reminded me of two completely separate Japanese-ish things. And um, how did you like the story? I'm sure that's exactly where this title came from, too. Those two I'm, sure it, I'm sure it is. So I was thinking, recently, Hulk and Submariner crossed paths. Yes. And now, in Namor, New York is flooded and wet and damaged. And in this, a rocket's about to kill a very dry and pristine New York. So it's like, somewhere, we are not in the same time frame anymore again. So Hulk must have sat around for a really long time. Or no, it has to be the other way around. Submariner must have sat around for a really long time because the city would still be wet. If that was first. Okay, so here's the thing that I was wondering about while I was doing the recap is the geography of all of this. Mm-hmm. They give a little narration explaining how Ross could be in the Southwest. Mm-hmm. They don't do the same thing for Hulk. Mm-hmm. And yet the humanoid attacks the Hulk. Wait, is that where they found the leader's thing was the southwest do they say that somewhere no but that's just that's where they were they were they were in the southwest he was in the desert whenever he met the leader oh but the leader also had a lab in france he maybe has one in new york i don't know i didn't really pick Uh, up that it was that lab i thought it was just a lab that they found okay well that goes well with my other complaint which is did they already find the leader's lab yeah, remember how I think they had like is... that that big glass Hulk thing at the beginning uh-huh. of that panel, and they're like, "It's the only time you're going to see the Hulk, so we got to put this there." Uh-huh. Okay, so yeah, okay, that makes more sense. So I say, uh, yeah, I don't know, because like a... if you look on page seven with with Krang and Dorma wandering around looking at their handiwork, that New York is ruined, mm-hmm. and yet in the Bill Bixby world, it looks pretty okay. Yeah, so yeah, maybe that happens tomorrow. Yeah, it happens tomorrow. But then you wonder, well, what was Namor doing when this big giant missile was about to kill everybody? He just didn't notice. Or New York is just a really big place. It is, I think. I've heard that, yeah. Speaking of big, I think Banner's getting a little stronger than he used to be. He looked a little ripped there. He used to be super wimpy, kind of like Don Blake. Not only does he look ripped, but he held on to a missile without falling off. So that's mm-hmm. pretty That's pretty strong. Uh, uh, Did you uh, notice? Uh, yeah. The guy says, what in the name of Benjamin J. Grimm is that? I did notice that. That's why awesome. is this guy swearing by Benjamin J? <laughs> I don't know. He reads Fantastic Four comics. Do you think they were in the army together? Or 
There are Fantastic Four comics. I don't know. There are fa- that's true. There are Fantastic Four comics, and they are publicly known figures. So I don't know. Okay. Oh, so, you know, you're what you're right. So he knows what a thing is. He knows what a Benjamin J. Grimm is. He basically just said this thing's ugly like the thing, or the thing is ugly like this. <laughs> okay, I caught on. I was welcome to the so, joke, John. So I feel like we haven't seen a lot of Hulk fighting big hulky things, mm-hmm. which you would think would be a pretty no brainer thing to throw the Hulk against. But like the last time I remember him fighting a big giant thing was with the leader sending him to the Watchers base, and there was that alien, that red guy. Yeah, but like, I don't know. We haven't got like the abomination yet or anything, have we? Mm-hmm. Nope. So I don't know. It's kind of neat. Like I don't. I've never heard of the Hulk killer. I apparently he doesn't last. But I was kind of excited to see like this big giant thing go up against the Hulk. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I also like Rick Jones being in the series seemingly yes. to stay. Yeah. He kind of just pops that around out of nowhere, but that's kind of a superpower anyway. Well, he 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 drove that car to New uh-huh. York. So he just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But it, I mean, Rick Jones and the Hulk hasn't been a duo since what the early Avengers issues before mm-hmm. this Astonish series even began. Pretty much. I think there's been a couple instances of them talking, but mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. Speaking of talking, Betty does not talk and she's here. And I'm just kind of like, not that I don't want her to be around, but it's kind of weird. Like, hey, General, we found this leader base. Okay, let me grab my daughter. What? No, no. Keep her at home, please. She does say, but dad. Does she? Okay, I missed that. And Ross says, stay out of this, Betty. Okay, yeah. So I'm really glad she was there just to be like pushed into a corner. Right. Nobody puts Betty in a corner. Yeah, Ross is an idiot. Like there's this big giant Hulk thing. Let's just turn it on, see what happens. But but general, there's nothing in the manual that says we can control the Ah, it's fine. I'm sure he'll do what I say. Yeah, turn it's, it on. it's- it's the hubris of creating the monster to fight the monster, thinking you can control the monster, but you can't. Help him. Which one? The green one, damn it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, and then – go ahead. I kind of feel bad for Boomerang. Yeah, he does nothing. Well, Gabe Jones messed up his payday. He was all like working for the Secret Empire that they all got killed. <laughs> Did he have a big B on his chest before or is that also an upgrade? I don't know. I feel I like he had stupid. something there, but I don't think it was a B. Oh, Boomerang, what is going on with you? I know your outfit looks much cooler later, so mm-hmm. I'm holding on, but gosh. Well, he's all like, all my former skills as an ex-baseball pitcher has paid off for me in spades. And I'm like, okay, watch out for baseball, kids. It will yeah, it will yeah. corrupt you. I mean, they can throw fastballs pretty fast, and it does hurt your head when you get hit by them, but I don't think it hurts the Hulk's head. So who cares? Now he has rocket jets. Yeah. yeah. And Iron Man's like, who cares? <laughs> Um, and the fight with the humanoid is over really fast. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the drama. It looks like he beat the Hulk. I seriously doubt that happened, but. Right. Well, we, we, we are not currently reading the immortal humanoid comics. No, so. no. So I imagine he gets back up, but that's like the first time someone's felded him, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Maybe he'll refuse to come out. Of the closet? Of Banner. That sounded <laughs> weird. Anyway. All right. Well, I do believe the next comic is yours, sir. Okay, the Mighty Thor, the People Breeders, number 134. I'm not going to say who it's guest starring, because I actually didn't read that when I was reading this, and it surprised me, and I was excited. So, what I say? The People Breeders, at, as last issue revealed to all true believers, the God of Thunder fought Ego, the living planet, to a standstill within the mysterious Black Galaxy. Now, Mighty Thor and the human form Recorder whom he has rescued, 
Return to Rigel. A Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, fantastic classic, inked by Vince Coletta, lettered by Sam Rosen. We have spoken. So yeah, they're just flying back. And one of the Rigel ships, like, tractor beams them in, and they're like, thanks for helping us with the Black Galaxy, which is Rigel's biggest problem ever. In payment, we we will not uh, bother your, you know, area of space anymore. And he's like, that is what I wanted, verily. And we will also take you back home. But ah, we better get out of here now because something's coming. It's all on our radar. What the heck is it? And there's a big splash page after they leave of Galactus showing up to possibly eat Ego. At least that's his plan. And then we never see Galactus again. But what a splash page. Um, Anyway, we cut back to Earth while we're all drooling over that awesome splash page. And there's, what's her name? Nila, Nyla, whatever. Tana Nile. Tana Nile. Still in the police station telling everybody that she's in charge. And they're all just like, take off your helmet. This is weird. But then finally Thor and two Rigelian like space cops show up. And the cops are like, oh, my gosh. They don't even notice us. Let's keep it that way. This is crazy. And she's like, what are you doing here? And they're like, hey, actually, we owe Thor a debt. And so you're not allowed to have Earth anymore. And she's like, oh, gosh. Am I going to get taken back home and killed for failure? And they're like, no, actually... We associate you with part of this whole business of, like, defeating our big problem with ego. So not only are you going to get your own galaxy instead of a planet, but the Rigelian ambassador or, you know, planet ruler or whatever, high king commissioner, wants to marry you. And she's like, oh, I've always been in love with him. So that works out. And then she flies away with him. But before she flies away with him, they also give Thor a soul locator, kind of a psych search Gage, Star Trekky thing, because he asked what Tana Nile did to uh, Jane Foster, and she's like, "Oh, I just sent her somewhere. I know not where. I was hoping you would just go follow him and leave me alone." So yeah, they gave him like a Star Trek thing to go look for Jane. So speaking of Jane, she's been um, um, caught up with these guys, Count Togar and I forget, oh Porga, and they're going to Wondergore, and they told her they have like a teaching position for her, and she's just in the back seat of this car like. What the heck am I doing here? Because as the car drives through town, everybody's like, Lord Tagar, there's armed bandits. They want to kill you. And they're like, yeah, nothing can stop us. And sure enough, they're going into the mountains and there's armed bandits and they try and kill him. So Lord Tagar jumps out of the car and gets into like a Jack Kirby fisticuffs with them. And out of the sky, a bola, like, you know, and big giant metal claws and arrows and all kinds of stuff attack these armed bandits and they go, run away, run away. And so, yeah, Lord Togar was right that, uh, you know, they can't be stopped. Anyway, we cut to Thor seeing all those bandits running away and he's like, what's going on? Stop, talk to me. But they're all too scared and they run away. He's like, that's weird. I'm going to go to those mountains. He goes into the mountains and he finds the people who attacked the rebels and those people are like sky piratey looking people they got like head to toe coverings and like kind of cool armor and they've got like lances and ropes and they're riding these like electric horses that are basically just like headless horses that are fly around and they lasso thor and he's like okay i'll let them because i want to get to the bottom of this so yay you captured me oh no i'm helpless they take him to inside the mountain and inside the mountain there's this like you know, electric cave or, you know, metal cave. And they go inside at which point Thor's like, okay, enough of this. 
I, you should release me. And they're like, we're not going to release you. Yes, you are. And he makes them release him because he's Thor and he throws them around and stuff like that. And they're like, oh my gosh, you should meet the high evolutionary because you're really tough. And it's like, yeah, well, now that you've released me, show me your face. And he takes the helmet off and we don't get to see what it is. But Thor is horrified or shocked or something like that. Then we cut to Scarlet Witch and her brother Quicksilver tooling around that same area. Scarlet Witch is in a Lamborghini. And she has one of those. Yeah, she just has a Lamborghini 330 GT, like all Avengers, I guess. And Quicksilver is outrunning her. And they're just having like a day, I guess. And they're really happy they got their powers back. For those of you who've been reading Avengers know that they lost their powers for a little while. But now they got them back. And I guess this is their homeland, this Wondergarish area in the mountains. And while they're like picnicking and stuff, Quicksilver sees like light coming from the mountain. And he's like, Wanda... Remember how all the old people used to tell us they saw that same light right before we were born? She's like, yeah, we should go check that out. So put a pin in that because we never see them again this issue, but hopefully they check it out next issue. Anyway, we cut to the high evolutionary. And he's a dude who takes animals and genetically modifies them into animal people. And as he's doing that to a wolf for the first time, he's never done it with a wolf before. He's really excited about what could possibly create with a wolf animal at wolf human hybrid thing he's interrupted by thor who's like pushing his way in as the guards try and stop him but they can't because he's thor he's like ah oh, you've ruined everything you've interrupted everything i don't really care who you are and thor's like i don't care who you are either i'm looking for jane foster and if you don't find her i'm gonna tear this whole place down and high evolution is like look i'm busy with this wolf i don't care i think jane foster is in that other wing over there so you just go do your thing and leave me alone so Thor goes in there, and he's all ready to fight, but he finds that Jane's just fine, and she's teaching animal-human hybrids, like, their ABCs and stuff, because they're like child brains, I guess, when they're first created. So that's the job she has, and she kind of likes it. She looks like she's happy, and Thor's like, I don't think this is a good situation. And she's like, why? What? He's, doing, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just experimenting and creating a new race of men. What's the big deal? Um, and as she wonders what the big deal is, there's a big platoon noise because apparently Thor interrupted more than we thought because the splicing gets away from the high evolutionary and the werewolf hybrid thing turns out something different than he wanted, something more powerful, something supreme. And the weird werewolf cosmic thing wakes up and says, I live, I feel, I hate and can sense that Thor is behind the wall because he has senses, and he's going to kill Thor and Jane, the end, or to be continued. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this was interesting. is, um, yeah, this is being <laughs> a new territory for this comic. Yeah. Um, I loved seeing people we hadn't seen. Uh, we hadn't seen Galactus in a while. Oh. And he's off to go check out the Black Galaxy and eat Egos. It's like, hey, Star-Lord, Galactus is going to eat your dad. That was, I mean, it's kind of weird because it's like this big giant page of Galactus. Kind of think, for no reason. And you kind of feel like if Galactus is in an issue, it should matter more. Right. But I also liked it. It's kind of world building and cool. And part of me is like, does he eat Ego? I don't know. It just feels all connected. What's that story? Yeah. Yeah, but also there's the thing like, Galactus is here, big dramatic picture, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but his first his first outside of the FF appearance. And we also had appearances from Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Yes, that I liked much. I enjoyed a lot more. 
and I was surprised by because I was just waiting for them to come back in the Avengers, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I guess they... And are we suggesting they're not mutants but some sort of high evolutionary byproduct? I think we are suggesting that. Which and would explain their power problems? Could explain their power problems, yes. And eventually they will use this connection, but I don't think they do anything with it immediately. Well... I assume at some point we really reestablish that they are actually mutants and not high evolutionary products, but maybe that's not true. It's been reestablished both ways, I think, a couple times. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because Scarlet Witch is responsible for the no more mutants thing, right? So that means she's a mutant, right? Well, she just, has re- she just has reality. She, she could have said no more balloons. That's for sure. And she's not a balloon. So you're she's right. Not- it could be anything. I don't think she's a balloon. Um, so yeah, I think in current, current continuity, they are not mutants. Okay. Wow. So I don't know specifically exactly how all that works, but I didn't know it's gone back and forth a couple times. They were kidnapped by Magneto. I don't know. I'll never yeah. figure this out. I'm glad we're reading these in order. Maybe we'll figure it out somehow. Maybe. Um, but for also we have the benefit of being able to keep things relatively simple. We don't have to get into retcons and retcons and retcons. Man, Tana Nile started out so eerie, like when she was a human. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, this lady's trouble. Ooh, I wonder what's happening with this lady. And then she kind of just turned comical. A little bit. And I don't know if I'm not – I'm okay with that, I think. It's kind of funny, actually. But, like, well, it, she started out so scary almost. And then it's just like, believe me, I own you. They're going to reward her. But at first they're like, you'll not go unrewarded. So we're taking you into custody. And it's just like, oh, you're arresting her. But no, they're like, no, we're going to go make you the empress of all of our, you know, weird face land. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I've always, always had a crush on the emperor. Uh-huh. Totally going to go have his Rigel babies. Yeah. Do we ever see her again? I don't think. I, don't I think we do eventually. I think Tana Nile is a person that comes back. But okay. I think whenever you have a Rigel story, she tends to show up. Oh, uh, well, that would make sense. So I have a question. Uh-huh. Does Thor have ADHD? Why? He's on the hunt for Jane. Mm-hmm. He's using his Dragon Ball radar to find Jane. Mm-hmm. And then he hears Knights of Wundagar. And he's like, ooh, I need to know more about these guys. Mm-hmm. And so he starts going after Knights of Wundagar. And he only like goes after Jane again. And whenever they're like, hey, we've got this Jane here. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that that that's a pleasant coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, he does seem to be easily distracted from his missions, doesn't he? Yep. Um, 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 Hi. Well, first of all, I really liked the design of those weird bandit, or not bandits. The bandits were the people they attacked. I don't know what they're called. The Sky Defender. I think those are the knights. The knights of Wondergar. The the Sky yeah, Rider people. Knights of Wondergar. They looked cool. They do look cool. Uh, and I really love that page on number ten where he's like trapped and they're leading him into the high evolutionary's domain. That was really rad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just really surprised. I mean, first we had Ego, which surprised me. I didn't see that coming. And I just never realized the High Evolutionary was such an old character. So it's kind of cool that we made it to him, too. Yeah. And his his you know pink helmet is is really cool. I've, I've always liked the High Evolutionary's design. Mm. I think I want him to be more than he turns out to be. Mm. One of those characters that, like, unveiling the mystery didn't exactly heighten the character he was he had that big arc when i when i first started reading comics around the yeah the evolutionary war or whatever right sadly i 
I somehow remember very few details of that arc other than uh-huh. the covers. So I guess he doesn't resonate with me that much. But yeah, it's interesting to see his early days. He's kind of doing the same thing, I guess. Yep. Now, he, the High Illusionary, is mutating this wolf. He's turning him into his, you know, millions of years later genetic descendant kind of thing, which is mm-hmm. a humanoid humanoid wolf. Mm-hmm. And Thor interrupts. Mm-hmm. And Thor's interruption here has so many far-reaching consequences. Why? Because Cosmic Wolf becomes some big thing? Yeah. Oh, wow. So... He calls it... He really goes into what just happened, and I kind of skipped over all that, but like, the ultimate end of evolution, a combination of supreme man coupled with supreme beast. His power will be too awesome to imagine. Mm -hmm. So this is the end of evolution for when when a wolf and a human have a baby, I guess? When a wolf and a human. Maybe that should be the title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Apparently yeah. the end of evolution is hate. So that's sad. Sorry, Star Trek. Uh, yeah. It, when it says if he should be evil. So it doesn't know what it's going to be. So this is his biological evolution. But what is his mind going to be? Uh-huh. And it's evil. He hates. Yeah. He hates. But this is, this is the man beast. And the man oh. beast has a big role to play in Cosmic Marvel. That sounds familiar, but I don't. I can't really think of anything. Um, in the seventies, he and Adam Warlock have a huge thing. Okay. Um, so I, Thor does not kill him next issue, I guess. Um, spoilers. <laughs> or he is reincarnated, reborn. Adam Warlock's died a lot too, so you know those guys. Yeah, he's died so many times that his podcast is called Resurrections. <laughs> right. But yeah, so important issue. Um, one of those that like shows up on lists if you want to. Look at the cosmic side, like with Adam Warlock and stuff. Um, yeah, and it's like setting up a new thing, which is always refreshing. Mm-hmm. We and finished Thor and Jane thing. are finally back together again. Yeah, they're actually in the same panels. Right. They can touch each other's hands. and Jane is so weird. Like, she's just totally fine with all this. I'm just going to teach them goat people. It's cool, dude. They're just people. <laughs> she, he hasn't done any harm. He's just making goat people. What's the problem? They, they need to sure learn how to legal. read. And right. I, I, I can totally teach reading because I'm a trained right. nurse. That's right. Because that's, yeah, perfect. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to the backup? I am ready. One speaks the dragon, or just dragon. At the farthest reaches of Asgard lies the forbidden domain known as Nastron, a land where nothing lives, not a tree, not a single blade of grass, not the humblest insect. It is here, the Nastron. That mighty Thor and his companions ride, a Stanley and Jack Kirby pictorial presentation delineated by Vincent Coletta, lettered by Artie Simek. So yeah, Thor and the Warriors 3 are in Nastron, and then Thor's like reminiscing or just telling the story because he probably wasn't born yet of how like used to be, uh, you know, an evil race. And then Odin came in with his Odin wrath and he just basically destroyed the entire place, wiped it out. So it's like ruins, it's rock. Even the rivers are now crystallized because of, you know, Odin seared them so hard or whatever with heat. Um, But we need to make sure that there's nobody left. I don't know how long it's been since Odin was wrathful here, but we've just decided we need to inspect and make sure none of these old evil races you know, still around doing evil things or growing in power. So they're doing that. They all decide to make a pit stop because it's been a day. They put uh, Volstag in charge of staying awake. <laughs> he does not. Uh, but he does wake up to this old man with the stick going, 
Come with me, come with me. If you want to find the ancients, I can show you where they are. It's like, well, I should probably wait. No, no, don't. You don't need to wake anybody else up. Just come with me. And I actually, all the knowledge of all the greatest warriors in the world will be yours if you follow me. And Volsag's like, that sounds good. So they travel and they travel and they get to this, what looks like a, a, like a pond inside a cave that's glowing. Like if you've ever seen Lost that creates that monster, that's what it looks like. And he's like, what's this? And the old man's like, well, actually, he's like, this is weird. It looks scary and death-like. And he's like, actually, if you get exposed to this for a really, really long time, not only do you have the power to project an old man that is me, but since it's a radiant pool, it changes the ancient king's body into um, Fafner. Because we've turned to the next page, and there's a big giant dragon named Fafner, and he's grabbing Volstag, and he's going to kill him. Next, Fafner strikes. So, yeah. Brad. I've always said Fafnir, but... Oh, well, you probably sound more, um, you know, Asgardian than I do. Fafnir okay. sounds right. Yeah. When we say things differently, it's always weird. It's like, I'm not trying to correct you. I'm just like, I'm, no. I'm used to saying it differently. Um, I'm not used to saying it out loud at all. So, when, I don't know about you, but whenever I see something like blasted land, nothing can ever live there. I think radioactive fallout. Uh-huh. Like a radiation blast. Chernobyl or some such, which could be a cool way to look at this. Like Odin can blast nuclear energy out of his beard or something. He probably um, can. Yeah. Except that our friends are sleeping here. So maybe not. Well, how long has it been? A thousand years, five years, 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't know. And they are gods. So, mm-hmm. but like if this were a nuclear blast, um, instead of the water being crystal, like maybe the water's actually evaporated and the sediment is fused to glass. And that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of a, the Daleks, right? This is how. Oh the, yeah, the um, forest of death. Is that yeah, with the, all the crystallized creatures and stuff. Yeah. Um, the dead planet. That's what it was called. Yeah, the dead planet. Um, yeah, like, I like this setup. It was cool. I don't know what else to say about it really, but Volstag is a goof. He's a goof, but of course he's a goof. Why did they let him be in charge of staying away? Weird. And like, I don't know a lot about Fafnir. He's just one of those Asgardian threats whose names mm-hmm. stick in my brain. But he looks cool, and he's here, and that's cool. I know. It's like Thor's been really introducing a lot of new concepts that are fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like Odin's kind of – I don't know who the evil race were, but it seems like wiping out an entire planet to the point where it doesn't even have water anymore like is overkill in all cases. But I don't know. Yeah. Genocide is rarely – yeah, right? Like, none of them were good. There were no kids. There were no put-upon people. Nothing. Just wipe it all. No rabbits. Nothing. Well, I, I feel like um, he wouldn't be the only god who has decided to wipe off the entire planet full of life and start over. Hmm, good point. Good point. They could have got but an ark. Speaking of genocide, should we see what Gene Hendricks has to say about this? We should. He probably hates that I've associated his name with that word, but you know. Does he Does he tell us how to pronounce Fafnir? Fafnir? He does not. Oh. But what we have here, he says, is sort of a faithful telling of Fafnir's origin. Oh, wow. At least, at least from Fafnir's point of view. Okay. This is part of the whole Ring of Nibelung story, but in that tale, Fafnir is not a wicked king, but a greedy dwarf. Oh. Lo- Loki, while traveling with Odin and Hoenir, Killed an otter, which turns out to be the shape-changing Ulter, brother of Fafnir. An otter named Otter? Okay. Mm-hmm. Fafnir and his father demand Guild for the killing, which was to fill Ulter's skin with gold. Loki did this using a cursed treasure, 
which inspired incredible greed in anyone possessing it. So Fafnir killed his father to gain all of the gold and changed himself into a dragon to protect it. This does not sound like the story we just read, but then again. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out. He says he was an ancient king. But he wasn't evil? This guy says he's an ancient king. The last king of Nastrond was to learn that the pool was not deadly. Exposure changed the form, gave him ashless power, and um, changed him into a dragon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Odin stripped him of his power, his subjects, his realm. And okay. Now yeah, he's yeah. hoarded himself up in a cave and turned into a dragon. Yes. Did you ever read The Voyage of the Dawn Treader? Is that one of the Narnia books? Mm-hmm. I've only read the first one. So The Voyage of the Dawn Treader has this really, really cool sequence where um, this boy who's been like a right twit the entire story, mm-hmm. uh, he uh, finds this golden bracelet. Actually, he finds this really, really old, dead, decrepit dragon. Okay. And he sneaks into his cave, sees a treasure cave full of gold, takes a bracelet, puts on his arm, really sleepy from his adventures, and falls asleep in the dragon's cave. The dragon dies, and while he is sleeping, he turns into a dragon. Mm. And, um, you know, there's this whole story about how he has to, like, convince everybody else that he actually is the boy who turned into a dragon and get them to help him turn back. But the idea that I was going for is just, like, the idea of a person turning into a dragon, the way the story's told in that book was always really visceral and a big image on my head. Hmm. But but yeah, Fafnir, what do you think of his dragon design? Kind of fishy. It's kind of fishy, yeah. It seems really Asian. Uh, I don't. I was just looking him up literally right now to see if uh, Marvel changes that. I feel like he doesn't look exactly like this in the future. I guess he kind of does, though. I think he looked more Western than Asian because um, he's an upright dragon instead of a snaky dragon, but... That's true, but he's got like the beard or the, you know, the, not beard, but you know, the, the hairy chin and. Oh yeah. So it's kind of a mixture. Yeah. And he's got like the lines on the lip with the scales. That looks very like old school Asian dragon to me. You're right. Yeah. He's kind of, uh, I don't know. He's like a squat Godzilla with a, with a scale diaper, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Scale diaper. Yeah. That's true. He doesn't ever change. I don't know who I'm thinking of. Maybe I'm thinking of the dragon from Dragon Ball Z being leaner and. Are they the Fing Fang Foom? Yeah, or Fing Fang Foom, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. He's cool, okay. though. We get a lot of splash pages lately. A lot of splash pages. This Lots book of had open, two. open artwork. Yeah. On right. to uh, the best book of the night The X Men 26. Okay, we y'all. Can, we y'all, can do this. We can do this. Y'all, I really like the X Men. Everybody really likes the X-Men. But you know what? They don't read these X-Men. I really like the 05 X-Men. Like 05? Original 5. Like Oh, yeah. Like, this era, I really like. But there are some stories that are just hard to get through. And y'all, We're this there. is one. We are there. Okay. Um, I didn't finish reading this. Oh, no. No, no, no. It's fine. I know what happens. Okay. <laughs> Our suspenseful saga so far. You've the probably read it before. I have, but also I, I, there wasn't a whole lot on the last few pages. Um, the mysterious gem-hunting gentleman known as LT Gray has invaded the darkened chambers of a New York museum to gain the missing half of a mystic Mayan pendant. 
And now, with Cyclops held at bay and the other X-Men unconscious, the megalomaniacal criminal has joined the two segments of the gleaming amulet to find himself instantaneously transformed into the earthly reincarnation of Kukulkan, mightiest of the ancient Mayan gods, as an astonished Professor X observes from X-Men headquarters miles away. That was our special no prize nominee for most stupefying synopsis of the month. <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think it means, Dan. No. Editing Stan Lee, script Roy Thomas, art Werner Rolp, inks Dick Ayers, lettering Sam Rosen, Mayan headdresses, Irving Flobush. Mm. The story is called Holocaust. Kulko Khan has a lot of power. He fights the X-Men. His two henchmen try to fight him. He beats them away. Xavier tries to use his mental powers. They don't work. The X-Men um, basically all get punched and knocked out in the museum, and they have to leave and regroup. They, ex Professor Xavier calls Jean Grey for help. She's like, okay, I can get you some books about um, mental telepathy and Mayan legends. Sure. <laughs> no. Um, meanwhile, Ted Roberts, her, uh, her beau at school, walks up and says, hey, have you met Cal? Cal Rankin a.k.a. the Mimic, but he does not know this because Xavier blocked his memory. Rankin's like, hey, do I know you? She's like, um, I don't think so. She's like, laundry days, Tuesday, Saturday, except last week is get the weekends. If that was you. And she says, no, no, that wasn't me. Um, but uh, Rankin is like, I think I know who she is and it's going to bother me until I figure out who it is. So anyways, Jean Grey goes to X-Men headquarters and says, hey, got your books, Xavier. Xavier's like, great. Thumbs the books. Okay. According to authorities, an old Mayan myth says that Amulet is enchanted. It will grant the wearer the awesome attributes of Kukulkan, the feathered serpent god. But legend also tells of a deadly curse on the pendant, and of a time centuries ago when misuse of its divine powers led to a holocaust of violent upheaval. Probably the basis of the story was a volcanic eruption, which showered a Mayan city with tons of molten lava. I did not look, but I have not heard of that. Maybe it's true. I don't know. Maybe there was a volcanic eruption. I don't know. Oh. Um, anyways, so um, the X-Men set out again. Kukul Khan goes to the jungle sets up a big cobra monument with a big diamond on top, sets himself up on a throne as Kukul Khan, the serpent god, gets um, the Peruvians and other South Americans and Mesoamericans to start working for him and laboring and mining and building. The X-Men show up and they fight. First they have to fight the jungle, then they have to fight the god. Um, and... You know, they get captured at one point and Iceman, um, they're, they're put in a pit, right? So Iceman puts like a, an ice shield over them so no one can see what they're doing. And Cyclops like uses his battering eye beams to start blasting out the hole of the pit so they can like climb out and stuff. It's pretty cool. That's like the one cool moment of the story. <coughs> um, what else? They fight Kukul Khan some more. At, during all of this, during this entire story, Warren Worthington III has been a jerk because he finally realizes that Scott likes Gene and Gene probably likes Scott, which means he's left out with his wings somewhere 
and he's been upset. He's been like rubbing Scott the wrong way the entire time. So finally, while they're fighting against Kukul Khan, Scott shoots Kukul Khan with his eye beams at full force. Kukul Khan ducks. And whom does Scott hit? Warren Worthington, the angelic third. So the angel is downed by Scott's eye beams and he blames Scott. You shot me because you found out that I love Gene. Uh, meanwhile, um, the uh, Cobra Tower gets knocked down. Somehow that uh, very conveniently removes Kukul Khan's powers. So they take El Tigre and tie him up and take him back to New York City while Cyclops is carrying Warren Worthington's dead Supergirl style. Next issue, the mind-staggering mimic returns. When are we going to fight evil mutants? I don't know. <clears throat> we got mimic next issue. I like mimic. Uh, yeah, mimic's cool. Uh, 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 maybe we could talk about this whole story without bringing up Kukul Khan at all. That might be cool. Like, just talk about the parts that aren't him. Well, I was going to say one thing about him, and then I do. I want to do that. Okay, go ahead. So he never comes back. Great. Uh huh. But if we think of this Kukul Khan as being kind of like the original version of Thor, like he's a human imbued with the god's power, which is what Xavier said, we do see the actual Kukul Khan in a couple of stories, completely separated from this. So, like, the Red Hulk ah. fights the Feather God Serpent. I was wondering about that because. This guy does say multiple times he's not, you know, whoever he was before. He's Kukul Khan now. And yet it's all dependent on this amulet and then later this inexplicable tower that has everything to do with the amulet, even though the tower was made later by him. But whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So is it really the old guy or is it really Kukul Khan? And if so, does anybody come across this amulet, just get imbued with his power or take over his body or how does that work? But then I was also later going, I don't really care. So yeah, it feels very Thorish, and then I don't really care. But then, member of Thor, we ask that all the time. Like, right. how much? How much is this really Thor? How much is whatever? And what they've had to do is they've had to totally shift that. Like, they have totally shifted away from the you know, yeah, issue, issue eighty three concept as presented. <laughs> when was the last time he even risked being turned into Donald Blake? You know, oh, with a sixty second countdown. Yeah, it's been forever, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, the the thing I got most out of this issue was the gene stuff. I mm-hmm. guess that's the more interesting stuff. When Xavier calls her and says, "Hey, can you bring me some books?" She's like, "He could have he could have just gotten those books with or, or scanned the knowledge with his telepathy. Is he trying to involve me, or is he only calling me because I'm not part of the team?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah." Hello, anxiety. How are you? She was like. Why didn't he telepathically ask me for the books? He called me on the phone. Does he oh, not yeah, think of me as an X-Men anymore? <gasps> yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Um, but I will say it was cool, uncool, but cool that like she actually didn't go with the team after the book delivery. Because we've been kind of like making fun of this thing where like she's off to college and not on the team anymore, but then she keeps being on the team. Right. And now so it's like, no, she didn't go on the team. She's actually not part of the team right now, kind of. They're including her in the book. So they haven't written her out, like I said last issue. Um, they haven't written her out. They've just moved her over. And then I thought, well, why couldn't she have gone? She was right there, and they were all going to go. But then I thought, I don't know. Maybe she's got a class in a half an hour. You know? Yeah. Maybe she yeah, can't she, go anymore. She's got to study for a test or work on yeah. her paper. Yeah, we don't know. She's got a life now. She can't just be doing this all the time. Um. 
At one point in the story, Cyclops hits himself with his eye beams, like they bounce off Kukul cool, cool Khan and come back and hit him with like double the force or whatever. And they knock him down. I was a little bit surprised because in the future, I'm pretty sure he doesn't even feel his eye beams. Like if they hit him, he's like immune. Yeah, he and he and his brother are immune to each other's power. Right. They like absorb their psionic energy or whatever it's called. So you can probably know prize it that the uh, the reflection probably had some cool cool con power in it too. There you go. But it was still weird. So as Angel was being a jerky jerk, uh-huh. I was reading this going, oh God, are they going to make Angel like a low rent Hawkeye now that we finally got Hawkeye cured? <laughs> and then literally like three pages later, Angel goes, I don't want to be a low rent Hawkeye. It's like, what? <laughs> and that one amused me. But then I started thinking, does Angel even know Hawkeye? Have they met? I couldn't right. remember if they crossed over or anything. When they I, met the Avengers, there was no Hawkeye. No, right? It was the how original. Does, and even if they knew what a Hawkeye was, how would Warren know what he sounds like? Yeah, exactly. So while it was funny, it also made me pause and like run through everything we've read and try and figure out if there's an, a way at all that Angel would know that Hawkeye's a jerk. And I couldn't find one, unless he reads comics, I guess. Scott reveals that he's going to tell Karen he's Daredevil. I mean, he's going to tell <laughs> right. he's going to tell Jean that he loves her. Uh, and, and then it's of not course the first time he's resolved to do this. I just don't know if it's actually going to happen this time. Well, it got ruined because Angel wakes up going groggy, like he he only hit me because he loves Marvel Girl. Uh, and then all the X Men are like, "Oh wow, is that why you did that, Scott? That's messed up." It's like, no, yeah. it's not true. I, 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 it was an accident, I swear. Or, or did I mean to do it on her? I should never date Gina Grant. I'm a menace anytime I'm about to tell her I love her. That's what's going to happen next issue. Mm-hmm. You're probably not wrong. Nope. The, the, or maybe this, they get married. The what? Or maybe they get married. I don't know. The tower felt like a uh, G.I. Joe cartoon plot. <sighs> like going to the jungle, Dude. and there's the, the tall statue with the gem on top of it that they've got to take down. To, do you... What was that issue where we have this pit stop where they have to fight cowboys? Remember that? Yes. Okay. This had that same feeling because there's like page after page of them fighting leopards and crocodiles and getting through the jungle. It's like, do we care about any of this? What is going on <laughs> with it? This is so boring. That was the Lucifer story whenever they were like trying to figure out what to yeah. do about this. Yeah, yeah. No better than this story, I guess. Do there we was... have a <laughs> Go. Do we have a portable Cerebro now? Yes. When did that Apparently, happen? Apparently, I don't know. I think this issue. Okay. I feel like Cerebro is still kind of slowly transforming into what it's going to be. But we're not nearly there yet. Okay. Well, I think we've given uh, this issue long enough. Yes. Let's go on to Daredevil, who is decidedly better, though I don't know if I like it, but it's definitely better. At the very least, it's prettier. Okay. Daredevil, The Man Without Fear, number 22, The Tri-Man Lives. Uh, written with Rapture by Stan Lee, drawn with drama by Gene Colan, delineated with delight by Giacoya and Ayers. There you go. Letter, I'm going to get this someday. Lettered with the lettered with the ball game? Is that what it says? With the ball game on. Oh, with the ball game on by Sam Rosen. That makes more sense. Okay, so there's no like caption, but we leave off right, or we start out right where we left off, which is... With Daredevil and that judge he rescued on a big giant uh, owl created by the owl, and it's out of control. But but Daredevil's kind of able to like steer it by pressing here and there and moving around. So they're kind of just gliding it into a nice crash. It looks like into like suburbia New York, I'm guessing. Um, but then it cuts to 
the owl. We don't really see where he is, but he got away last issue, and now he's in like his hidden lab, and there's a little clickety bomb button he gets to press, and he's all like, Mwaha, that owl's going to detonate, and Daredevil won't even see it coming. He won't, but he hears it coming, and so he grabs the, the judge, and they jump off just as the owl comes to a landing, and it explodes, and the judge is like, wow, you're super awesome, and Daredevil's like, yes, yes, I am. We cut to Karen, is it Karen? Karen Page? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. There's so many, like, generic white names on this show. Like, I just yeah. I just get confused sometimes. I thought it's you were going to say Kent Nelson. No, it's Karen Page and not Happy Hogan. It's Karen Page and Foggy Nelson. That's right. And Foggy has pressured her into going on a date with him, and she's like, well, if Matt won't go out with me, I might as well sleep with Foggy, I guess. Uh, so they encounter a guy who's, like, wanting them to – to write up papers for leases and they're like yeah too bad we don't have more clients like that who aren't dangerous and just pay on time and stuff i don't know if that's going to go anywhere later it doesn't in this issue but let's all remember that someday kids we've seen him before he wanted them to pay rent they're behind on he's their landlord yeah also also they're his lawyer right so they're writing up leases for probably their own lease but anyway not a conflict i think it was more of a commentary that the fact that they both noticed that that matt likes the scary dramatic cases and they don't mm-hmm. um so anyway speaking of matt as they go out matt comes back to the office he realizes it's empty so he just goes in his daredevil in this cool awesome splash page but then we cut to remember these guys the uh masked marauder and uh uh uh, uh gladiator gladiator yeah because that was like 16 issues ago it seems like but they're still teamed up and they have this idea that you know now that count nefaria is no more Let's take over his gang. And Gladiator's like, How, well, what are we going to do? He's like, oh, I had this cool idea. And I'm the brains and you're the bronze. So listen to me. What we're going to do is I am going to take out a superhero that they would really be impressed by. Oh, cool. You're going to take out the X-Men? No, no, no. Oh, you're going you're gonna to take out the Avengers then, right? Because they had a problem with them too. No, I'm going to take out Daredevil. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So... They email the Magia and say, we're going to take out Daredevil. And if we do, we get to lead you, right? And they're like, uh, Daredevil? We don't have a pro. Okay, yeah, I guess. We don't have a lot of people applying for this position. So sure, let's do that. How is he going to take out Daredevil? Well, he's got a lab that looks a lot like the leader lab. And in it, he's got a big giant thing that looks a lot like that big giant Hulk killer that we just talked about, except it's white instead of pink. But it's called the Tri-Man. And he also has this machine that lets him like evaporate and revaporate people into test tubes that are hooked up to the tri-man guess how many people he needs to power the tri-man that's right three i think he knows these people because he grabs them for a reason one's a big giant wrestler guy named the mongler mangler one is a thief named uh dancer and one looks to be like an egghead kind of guy named the brain so he he sucks them all up in his Star Trek transporter and suddenly they're in test tubes and they're hooked to the Tri-Man and he wakes the Tri-Man up and he tells them, go kill Daredevil. Uh, Meanwhile, Foggy tries to get Karen to go out with him again, but she knows that Matt's going to be working late tonight and she wants to be in the office with him. So she says, no, he's got tickets to boxing, by the way. She says no. Then there's like this awkwardness where she doesn't know really how to talk to him and he's like, oh, I hear her hovering around me, but I don't know what to say either. Finally, she's like, oh, this thing this letter came special for you by the way i forgot 
Before he can open it, so I guess put a pin in that, he hears over the radio that this thing named the Tri-Man has invaded the boxing match that was on the radio that he was listening to that Foggy went to. And he beats up, the Tri-Man beats up the two dudes, the two boxers that are in the ring, and he says, Come to me, Daredevil, or I will kill everyone in this arena. So, of course, Daredevil uh, wants to answer, but Karen's there. So he's like, Karen, I think what we should do is I'll dress up like Daredevil and you take me over there. And in case Daredevil doesn't show up, I'll just trick my way through it. And Karen's like, are you sure? I'm pretty sure that would just kill you. No, no, no. Trust me. It's cool. And by the way, I know I look a lot like Daredevil, but I'm not Daredevil. So Daredevil's in the car with Karen and they go to the boxing ring. Um, And then when Karen's not looking... He goes into daredevil mode and he thinks to himself, she probably just will pretend, she'll probably think that I'm the real daredevil, that she lost Matt. And sure enough, she goes around the rest of the issue going, Matt, Matt, where's Matt? Anyway, daredevil and Tri-Man fight. He can't really see Tri-Man, so he doesn't necessarily realize that it's an artificial life form exactly. He just thinks it's a really big buff guy at first. But then he starts noticing things like his skin is different and he recovers fast. And yeah, daredevil's doing okay. He's not really hurting him, but he's fast enough to not be hurt either. Um, Karen and Foggy meet and both wonder where Matt is. And at that moment, the, the, what is his name? Marauder and the gladiator, mass Marauder are somehow spying on this, uh, boxing match. And Uh they notice that Foggy and Karen are talking and they both, between the two of them, they know who Foggy and Karen is because they've dealt with the Murdoch thing enough, I guess at this point. And so over the loudspeaker, they say, Daredevil, hear me. Franklin Nelson and his secretary, Karen, are in the arena. Surrender immediately or they die. This is my final ultimatum. So he's still fighting the Tri-Man and the Mass Marauder can suck him, suck up the Foggy and the Karen with the Star Trek thing and kill him. And it's to be continued. Next issue, Daredevil goes wild. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Well, so the Tri-Man is a little dumb. <laughs> yeah. Actually, th- he's okay, but how you create him is a little dumb, I think. I don't know. I really feel like they should have used a trio of guys that we already knew. And you know yeah. who was you know who was sitting there waiting to be used for this? Hmm. The terrible trio from Strange Tales. Dang it. That would have been amazing. Yeah? And it could have been against their will or something. Right. I don't know. Also, I'm pretty sure that those guys in the test tubes are dead. <laughs> oh, the script is the only reason we have any way to think that they survived this. I think they gave his their lives to imbue this Tri-Man with power. Now, maybe this will play out more next issue, but I feel like only the wrestler has any real influence on the Tri-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, there doesn't seem to be any brain thing going on, and there doesn't seem to be any sneaky, uh, whatever that guy's name was, dancer thing going on. Maybe his maybe he had some really fancy footwork in the uh, the, the fight. Yeah, maybe. But basically, Daredevil just comments, this guy must seems like a professional wrestler, which would have been the one guy. Now, I have a question. When we finished 21, did you know that the owl was in the owl? I don't think he's in the owl, is he? Is that where he is? Yeah. No, he flew away. Now that I've reached my emergency, uh, uh, however you pronounce that word, airy. Oh, his airy and safety. And okay. safety. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, he flew away, and that's what I was saying. Like, we don't know exactly where he is, but he has some emergency area where apparently he's rigged the owl to explode because he needs it to. Okay, so he just, he walked. 
He walked. He walked He's from going. his his forbidden room or whatever it was called to a safer part of his eyrie and triggered the bomb that was inside the owl. Well, he flew off the owl when he and Daredevil were fighting, right? And, and just flew away, and we don't know where he went. I guess that's where he went. Okay, so, okay, yeah. well, that makes sense. So he got away, but I am surprised that we opened this way because I kind of thought that ending of last issue was just the last we would see of the owl, and like next issue would just be a fresh start. Yeah, uh, it always feels that way. Like this wraps up that action and then basically gives us a clean cut. Mm-hmm. We could have opened the story with a pedestrian scene in the office of Karen yep. and Foggy talking about the Rhino, which, yep. by the way, continuity. <gasps> I forgot about that. Yeah. She asked him about his case with the Rhino, and he's like, I don't understand why that guy just broke out of jail. You don't? Right. Okay, whatever. Um, I had forgot about the mass marauder and the gladiator teaming up and not ever being apprehended or anything. Yeah, they just walked away. A lot of Daredevil bad guys have been walking away lately. Yeah, he does comment on that and say something like, well, at least that gives me work. I don't want to be too effective because mm. I don't have nothing to do. <laughs> so I think he we was had, joking. Yeah. We, we had that really big splash page of Galactus, which, you know, it's Galactus, but it goes nowhere. It's just Galactus. Here we have a really big splash page of entering office. Yes. But it's also Daredevil drawn by G. Colin entering office in the dark, and it's pretty spectacular. But it is just entering the office. Yeah. It is pretty spectacular, but it is literally the, uh, I I mean, narrative wise, it's the boring end to a nothing scene. Right. Like it doesn't connect us to anything. The next time we see Daredevil, it's the next day he's bat in his office reading Braille. Yeah. It's not a big reveal. It's not a start of a fight or the middle of a fight or anything. We don't even see like Karen and Foggy. Oh, hey, Matt. Didn't mm-hmm. didn't see you for the last day or two. How you doing? Yeah. I think they're still trying to – I think they're just enjoying the space, these artists now. But yeah, I think maybe they need to start being more picky about where they get a splash page. Um, okay. There's a special delivery letter. Yes. That is interesting. Keep your eyes on this letter, kids. Yep. That's all, that's all they say. He never opens it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't open it because he's got to go fight the Tri-Man, which I honestly felt like, and it's probably because it's the same artist, but it felt a lot like Iron Man versus Titanium Man. Yeah, yeah. Just a much much bigger size. Um, I, know this would, I know this would be uncool for Daredevil not to solve his own problems, but sometimes in these shared universes, I think, was anybody else listening to the radio? Wouldn't it have been funny if like the thing shows up and just knocks this dude out with one punch and then goes about goes back to lunch or whatever? <laughs> but that's not <laughs> very dramatic. For Daredevil, you don't like go. Resp- Daredevil's obviously busy. I better go find out what this guy wants. Well, I mean, I would if I was a superhero in town and I heard on a radio like some dude took an entire tent hostage. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd wait. I'd be like, oh, Daredevil got it. I don't know. I'd probably go. Spider Man could show up. Anybody could show up. The only thing I had about this is there a uh, comment we passed. Um, Foggy's talking about his landlord and how it's nice dealing with clients like him instead of supervillains. Mm-hmm. But I always think that a lot of landlords are supervillains. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, maybe they just have a really good one. Yeah. No mention of his dad. All this boxing going on. Mm, very good point. You'd think there'd be a, oh, I miss dad. I don't know. Not there has to be, but no, boxing but I, and Daredevil go hand in hand. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're like peas and carrots. Where's that? Like, I'll do that. That haymaker my dad taught me when he used to box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I don't know. It, it was okay. I just think the whole teleporting business was a little far fetched, but that's fine. Whatever. Let's get past it. I like I like the issue. Triman's a little bit silly in his origin, but I mean it's yeah. cool looking and yeah, it's fine. It's Daredevil. 
It's better than the goon or whatever Iron Man's version was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just recently fought Happy Hogan. Okay, I guess All right, that's so it. That is it. So far, Thor is definitely a contender for best of the month. Uh-huh. And the X-Men is definitely a contender for least favorite of the month. Yes. All right. Well, um, next episode, we're going to cover four more comics. Those all, by the way, that we covered tonight were published on September 1st. 1966 and next episode we're going to jump into the second week of release september 8th 1966 which is also a very important day for other branches of nerddom which we'll talk about more briefly Mm. at the start of next episode yeah um so you'll be reading sergeant fury 36 the making of a howler my brother my enemy tales of suspense 84 with uh, Captain America versus the Super Adaptoid on the cover and the other Iron Man inside. Amazing Spider-Man 43, Rhino on the Rampage, and our first full-on shot of Mary Jane Watson in a story. And finally, Fantastic Four 57, Enter Doctor Doom. Whoa. Yeah. It's been a while since we've seen that guy. Well, we saw him briefly at the end of the last issue, but yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. Was it with Avengers? So, was the last no, Fantastic- time? Oh, that we saw him? That, um, like he was a major player in something? Yeah, Avengers 25, I think. Yeah. Wow. Except for maybe the the wedding annual, if that happened before or after oh, Avengers 25, I don't remember. Yeah, that was sort of but hoke. It anyway, barely yeah. counts. Barely counts. Where can they uh, where can they find us? They can find us at makearsmarvel.com. There you will find links to all your uh, your favorite streams and RSS feeds and stuff. You'll find all the episodes there. You could just type us into Make Ours Marvel in your favorite podcasting app. You can also write us podcast at makearsmarvel.com with your questions, comments, answers, suggestions, and we like to read those every so often on a mail show. You can catch me on Twitter. I am John Reads Comics. You can catch Michael on Twitter. He is at Kaiser the Great. Um, I have two other podcasts I work on. One is a Transformers podcast talking about the comics and the cartoons in the order of the development of the franchise. And that is Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast at TFUK podcast on Twitter. I also have an image comics podcast I do where I'm talking about all the 90s image comics in the order of publication. That is All the Pouches, an image comics podcast on Twitter at All the Pouches. For the record, The Avengers 25 with Dr. Doom was more recent than the Fantastic Four annual. Awesome. that was, I believe, the last time we saw Dr. Doom. Cool. Which I think wraps us up. Yeah. All right. So be with us next week. Make sure you read your comics. Until then, or until the man-beast becomes the president of the United States of America, make ours marvel. Or maybe that's already happened.